Hey, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo gets accused of physical and verbal sexual harassment. Minari wins Golden Globe's Best Motion Picture for Foreign Film. What's happening, folks? Welcome to the Millennial Boomer Podcast. It's your host, Jonathan. Let's get it. Guys, I hope everyone is doing well all right if you're listening to this thank you for listening i hope you guys are doing okay all right look the weather is getting warmer all right uh people are getting vaccinated uh you know things are looking okay right things are looking okay uh i i think i'm gonna be get uh no i will get vaccinated in in april so uh the first shot will come first or second week of april and then i'll take the the, the, the second shot three weeks after uh, look, I'm getting vaccinated not because I'm scared of COVID and the damage it can do, uh, you know, the potential lethal damage it can do. I'm really taking the vaccine because if if somehow I did catch COVID, uh, I don't want to deal with the symptoms afterwards. Well, not the symptoms, the side effects, right? Because uh, after you catch COVID, a lot of people they lose their <clears throat> a sense of taste, smell. And all and, and they go and, you know, I just don't want that. I don't want to deal with that. Right. I want to be able to not worry about uh, COVID. I want to be able to get on a fucking plane and not quarantine and uh, have that uh, sense of freedom. You know, because they'll probably come out with like a COVID passport, uh, like a vaccine passport shortly. So I'm going to assume I'm going to assume that, you know, if you did take the vaccine that uh, and, and you do travel, let's say within within states or. Uh, 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 you know, to a different country, you don't have to quarantine, right? That's my hope. That's my hope. I, you know, look, guys, I haven't been on an airplane in, in probably four years. Okay, so, so uh, you know, it's time for me to get out of New York for a little bit. So hopefully sometime in May, um, I'll be able to go somewhere. Guys, look, if you listen, if you follow me, um, I thought about this, and you may hate it. You may think it's genius. Probably will hate it more. But I'll be calling you guys the... Conde fam. All right. So if you're a supporter of mine, you guys are now part of the Conde fam. Now, what, is, what does Conde mean? Right. Conde is a Korean word. And uh, it, it's actually not that, you know, uh, easy to explain. I, I So I, I got this definition off the Internet and I think it's OK. So, guys, it, this is what a Conde is. Right. The slang noun Conde was originally used by students and teenagers to refer to older people such as fathers, teachers. Recently, however, the word has been used to refer to a boss or an older person who does so-called kondejit, right? Acting like a konde in the Korean language that forces the former's outdated way of thinking onto another person. Another another um, side set, konde means like boomer, right? Or like when you kind of say like, okay, boomer, like that kind of meme or that kind of, um, uh, you know, that kind of joke. It's, 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 similar to what when you would say oh this person is a conde right so look uh why am i choosing this word because if you guys if you know me by now look i'm not look i am a millennial right i mean i'm of this generation born as a millennial but a lot of times my actions and my words can sound a little like not of this generation okay and i and i say things and i do things that well, definitely seem boomerish. So, uh, you know, if you support that, if you like that, if you fuck with that, then you guys are part of the Conde fam. So my peoples, welcome to the Conde fam. Okay, that's who you guys are. Thanks. Anyway, 
Um, I'm going to share a story. And, um, you know, there, there is, this is, this is a personal story. This is a really personal story of mine. I think I might've shared it in previous podcasts. I, I don't remember, but <clears throat> you know, hopefully when you guys uh, listen, you'll have a better understanding of why I'm even here and why I'm doing this and, uh, you know, why I think the way I do. You'll may, you'll, you'll have a little better idea, right? So look, back in the day, um, I want to I wanna go back. Let's go back to 2013, right? 2013 is when I joined the bank. I'm not going to name the bank, but I did join a bank, right? A large bank. And, you know, I used to, I used to wear a suit and tie, right? Uh, every day to work, right? So from 2015, I'm sorry, 2013 to 2018, uh, I was part of this bank. And listen, I, was, I wasn't just a typical banking employee, all right. I was all about that, that life. You know, I was all about that banking life, right? I was, I was a hardcore banker for that bank, right? Everything that that bank did, everything, everything from, you know, the small things to the, the big international things that they did, I was a bit a- advocate for. And, uh, you know, I had my dreams to move up the corporate ladder and, and do all sorts of things, right? I was all about that, like re- in, within the retail banking and wealth management, you know, I was all about that life. Anyone who knew me while I used to be in banking, they would they would tell you, right? I was a very proud person of of the bank, right? I I liked what I did, and uh, you know I was set to work at that bank till I retire, right? And and that was it. Well, unfortunately, what happened was back in two thousand, uh, I want to say eighteen, two thousand eighteen in February, uh, there was a colleague of mine, right? She was in a different position, but she, she, we were somewhat colleagues. She was in one of the branches that I worked at. And what happened was that this particular colleague, you know, she wanted to move up, right? She wanted to do what I did. And at the time in 2018, I did uh, like wealth management, relationship management. You know, basically I took care of accounts and households with a certain level of assets, right? And she wanted to do what I did. So she wanted to move up. And, uh, you know, she was hungry. She was extremely um, like a go-getter. Like she was focused. Now, there were times when she was a little crazy and uh, her emotions got the best of her. But for the most part, I saw, I try to see the good in her, right? And she wanted to move up. And uh, she wanted to sort of join uh, the the people, the team that I was a part of, right? Uh, because I, look, at the time I did, I was very well liked right within the bank so if i if i put your name up <clears throat> if i put your name up and i say hey this person is good uh you know they're they're qualified they, they have a lot of potential you should move this person up to a higher position that wasn't taken lightly right and i didn't say these things lightly so in an, in essence i took her under my wing right and um i i i not not only did i mentor her or, or teach her how to do things i i also worked with her right there were certain situations where we would work on certain deals and certain clients together and uh we had a good relationship and outside the bank we were also friends right i would introduce her to some of my friends i would introduce her to certain circles and uh overall she was what i thought a person at the time at the time she was a person that i thought would you know benefit me in the long run, right? Because if I put you under my wing, right? I want to see you grow. I don't want to see you fail, right? I want to see you grow. 
And as you grow and as you gain recognition within the bank, my name value goes up as well, right? Because I was a person that sort of brought this person up. So it was in my best interest to make sure, uh, you know, if everyone knew in the bank, oh, this person, uh, this this banker is uh, under, I don't want to say under, but, you know, Jonathan is mentoring this certain banker. Uh, it's a, It's very important that she does well. What happened was uh, this certain individual got a little bit too greedy, right? She wanted to she wanted to grow within the banking structure a lot faster. Um, you know, she wanted to just kind of cut corners and and do things that weren't quite within business ethical guidelines. Like she sort of moved out of that, right? She did it because she wanted to. You know, she wanted to grow faster. She wanted more name recognition. She wanted this. She wanted that. And I get all that, right? But I was also, at the time, when I was in the bank, I was very cookie-cut, cutthroat, right? Like, if you want to grow, if you want to do, if you want to get more business, you have to follow certain rules. You have to follow certain structures, right? And within that structure, I can help you thrive. But if you deviate, if you deviate from that and you start doing things... Um, that are kind of shady, you know, they're not super unethical, but it's not right. If you start doing things like that, uh, I, you know, that's not, that's not good with me, right? Because if I'm mentoring you and you're doing that, that looks bad on me. So in 2018, February, I approached her. I said, look, what you're doing is not right, right? I know you want to grow. I know you want to do this, but you can't cut corners and you have to go the path that is given to you, right? You have to do the work. And I know I'm being vague in like what work and what, look, it's, it's all banking terms. I don't want to, I don't want to bore you with that. The main, the main idea is that she was deviating from the path, right? She was deviating from the normal line of work that she was supposed to do uh, to try to get ahead. And I wasn't okay with that. So I called her out on it, right? I called her out and I said, look, you can't be doing this. Um, And she took that very personal, right? I think, like I said, she, she's she's an emotional human being, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Some human beings are more emotional than others. Uh, she took that and she took it the wrong way, right? She she didn't like the way I, I approached her. She didn't like the way I, I sort of called her out. I mean, I didn't call her out in front of people, but I did approach her and I said, look, you can't be doing it this way, right? It was a one-on-one meeting. And uh, it, it, you know, over time, like in March, it got a little worse, right? And, she, and she's not, and she's just doing things that were just pissing me off here and there. So I had to call a meeting with her, her boss, um, and a couple of other people. And we wa- I wanted to sit together because I was genuinely concerned that she wasn't doing the right thing within the bank, right? Now, she took that meeting that I called and she, she was not happy with it, right? She, she didn't, first of all, she didn't show up to the meeting, Matter of fact, she called HR. She called she called HR on me and she said, uh, I'm not comfortable. Well, well the, the reason she said that she's not going to join the meeting is because I'm not comfortable in that meeting. I want an HR representative there with me within the meeting that I called with her and her boss. I said, OK, bring the HR re- representative. You want to you want to take it you know, to HR? Let's do it. Right. Because in my head, in my head, I'm thinking uh, if you take this to HR, you're the only person that's going to look bad because you're doing things, all right, that are not within banking guidelines, right? Why do you want to expose that? Right? We, we want to keep this in-house. Now, she calls HR. I get a call maybe about a, maybe about a week later, and, it, and it's the HR department, and they're calling me, and I was, 
and I was ready, right? I was, I was about to explain what's going on. And if she wants to really go to war with me, let's go to war. All right, bitch, let's go to war. So I get the call and the HR person says, uh, you know, is this uh, Jonathan? I said, yes, it is. And look, do, do, you know, this is the, I am, uh, let's just say her name is Sonia, right? I am Sonia, the senior uh, human relations person, right? She's like some senior HR uh, person and I'm, and I'm thinking okay like you had a, is this such an issue where you had to bring like the top person within the bank's hr and i said okay how can i help and she was like do you know what allegations uh you are being charged with right do you know what you're being accused of and i said yes i know i'm being accused of uh you know making this certain colleague feel uncomfortable by calling a meeting to you know discuss certain issues where she was breaking banking protocols and the hr person says well uh, i don't know anything about that but uh, you're being uh, you know i'm calling you because there are some serious concerns about uh, sexual harassment to this individual and i said excuse me sexual harassment sexual harassment what are you talking about what are you talking about? <laughs> right. So so now I'm, I'm now I'm thinking now it's like as I'm on that phone conversation, now it's all coming back to me right now. It's all not coming back to me, but now I'm, I'm, I'm seeing what's going on. She called HR on me uh, as in a way of like a retaliation. Right. Like, you know, in her head, she's thinking, oh, you're going to you're going to call me out on, on what I'm doing. Okay, you're going to call me out. OK. Okay, well, this is then this is this is how I'm going to get you back. I'm going to call HR on you and say you you know sexually harassed me. So, long story short, uh, long story short, that was probably in April. There was an investigation. Investigation. There was not really an investigation. And uh, in July, um, I had a call with my boss, and uh, they said, "Look, John, um, you know me and you know the bank and you." We've come to a decision where we wanted to part ways. Right? We wanted to part ways. Now, uh, first, so let me get a couple of things clear. Okay? She called HR on me in, in retaliation, right, of me calling her out on doing certain things. And I'm not, I'm not totally... Uh, you know, I mean, I was, of course, I was mad at the time, right? I was totally, you know, broken at the time. And I, and I'd really think about it. And I was like, is it real? Was this really my fault? Was this really my fault that I've pushed this person to do this absolute bullshit HR call? And, you know, the lesson that I kind of learned from that whole situation coming out of it was, you know, I was too, I was too into this concept of loyalty, Right. Because in the bank and this is how and, and I still operate to this day, but I obviously operate with more caution uh, at the bank. If you are supporting me and you're part of my team and I'm mentoring you or training you or helping you get to wherever you want to be. Right. And you're loyal to me, then I'll be loyal to you to the end. Right. Because that's 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 something I don't know why that's such a big thing to me, right? Within relationships, friendships, whatever relationship with other people, to me, loyalty is the absolute uh, way of saying that there is 
this sort of bond, right? This love between human to human. It's this, this, this sense of loyalty, right? A lot of people don't get it. It's irrational. I, I, look, I get it. But to me, look, that's who I am. So now uh, for her to, who I thought was loyal to me, who I gave my loyalty to, for her to sort of break ranks and do this to me at the height. Remember, guys, this is 2018, right? 2018, February, March, April. You have to understand the times, right? You have to understand what's going on in the news at the time, right? In the news, you had Harvey Weinstein popping out. You had uh, famous uh, news anchors, uh, famous actors. Me Too movement was going wild, all right? There was there was a, a, a series, there was a series of, of, of high-profile people coming out and saying, uh, you know, that they were sorry and they were being accused and people were getting fired, canceled, whatever, right? And uh, at that time, I remember the phone call, one of the phone calls that I had with the HR person, she said, do you understand, do you understand the severity of the accusation? Uh, and do you, are you watching the news, Jonathan? Do you, do you see what's going on in the world? Do you know how serious this is? And I'm like, yes, I know what's going on in the world. Yes, I know what kind of allegations are being thrown at me. Of course I know. Right. And, and I and of course, I denied everything, you know, and, and there was this quote unquote investigation. It was it was set up. So where at the time, if anybody. If anybody within the bank or certain corporations, if you're being called out and there was this power dynamic, right, of a, a more senior person to a less senior person, the senior person is a male, the less senior person is a female and there was any sort of sexual harassment uh, allegations, then your ass was out, okay? There was investigations, but not really, right? There was a lot of, pe- there was a lot of cases like that. And unfortunately, now look, I'm not discrediting the Me Too movement, you know, right? Like certain people, they need to, you know, th- look, they fucked up, and you get caught, and you deserve what you deserve, okay? At the same time, there were a lot of people, including myself, who got caught in that mix of that that you know crazy let's get everybody time and I was unfortunately one of those victims right it is what it is okay now look why am I sharing this why am I sharing this you know I've learned a lot right I mean I've had a lot this was 2018 right and 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 the bank had said fuck off in 2018 July and uh, you know I I had to really think. I had to really reassess who I invite in my life uh, to either, you know, mentor or train or just, you know, as friends, whatever it may be. And I had to be really careful of how I did it, especially with women. Right. And especially I learned in the workplace. Don't make don't make unnecessary, not unnecessary, but if you could avoid. If you could avoid uh, the situation that. I just went through, avoid it, right? If there is someone that wants to move up, she looks a little unstable and she wants, you know, even with the, even let's say she was stable, right? Let's say this person is stable. You're a, you're a male and you're in a more senior position and you, she came, she comes to you or you come to a a, a place where you want to help her move up. The, The lesson I got from it was, if you can, right, if you're not obligated to do so, don't do it. Don't go out of your way to do that, right? Because unfortunately, unfortunately, you are opening yourself up to some ridiculous allegations, right? If things go sour. Now, I'm not saying they do go sour. I'm not saying that that 
you know, a senior male and uh, non-senior female relationships within the office, right, for mentorship or whatever it may be, I'm not saying it shouldn't happen, but, you know, ever since the whole Me Too thing, you know, men, you got to be a little bit more careful, okay? You got to be, you may trust this, this, this colleague, you may trust this person, but you really don't know, right? If things go sour, you don't know how things are going to play out. And especially if you're in a position of power, especially if you're in a, a position of authority, right? Uh, you got to be careful. If you're in a bigger, if you're in a big corporate structure, you got to be careful. All right. So, um, I hope you guys learned something about me with that story. I mean, that is a true story. And uh, I know I didn't go into all the details. If you want more details, reach out to me. I'll, I'll tell you more details. But look, this podcast, this episode is not a really about, it's not really about that specific story. So moving on, look, Andrew Cuomo. Okay, let's talk about Andrew Cuomo's allegations. All right, Andrew Cuomo's allegations. So if you haven't heard, the beloved mayor, I'm sorry, the beloved governor of New York uh, had two former aides, two former aides, um, Charlotte Bennett, and Lindsay Boylan accusing the governor of sexual harassment, right? Some were verbal and some and one was physical. Now, look, I, I don't want to I want to actually read you the stories. So I know you all love it when I read you things because I'm just a great reader being sarcastic. Uh, let me read you a little bit, right? Like a couple of paragraphs of what Charlotte Bennett, what this particular former aide was accusing uh, Andrew Cuomo of. All right, so let me read you a, a few things, and um, you know, uh, so you can get exactly what the accuser is saying. All right, so Bennett gave her story to the New York Times. The Times reported that she alleged that she alleges that Cuomo asked her questions about her sex life, whether she was monogamous in her relationships, and if she had sex with older men. I understand that the governor wanted to sleep with me, and felt horribly <laughs> and felt horribly uncomfortable and scared. Bennett said to the Times and was wondering how I was going to get out of it and assumed it was the end of my job. She told the newspaper that the alleged harassment occurred late spring 2020 as the governor nor was publicly forced, uh, focused on COVID-19 pandemic. In one incident, Bennett allegedly uh, to the Times, uh, told the Times that she was alone with Cuomo in his Capitol office in June 5th when he told her he was open to relationships with women in their 20s. In other remarks, she said, interpreted as clear overtures to a sexual relationship. Bennett claimed that the governor stated he was lonely due to the pandemic and couldn't even hug anyone before asking, uh, who did I last hug? She is 25 years old. Cuomo is 63. According to the Times, she started working for Cuomo in 2019, two years out of college as a briefer. Uh, she became a senior briefer and an executive assistant after being interviewed uh, by the governor. And this is just, uh, this is, it's in the story, but, you know, it also says she once played soccer in middle school against, uh, against uh, one of Cuomo's daughters, lived near his home in Westchester County, the Times reported. Okay, so that's, that's, um, that's Charlotte Bennett, right? Let me read you a little bit of Lindsay Boylan's story. Okay, Lindsay Boylan or Boylan, I do not know how to pronounce that last name. Okay, let me read you a little bit of Lindsay Boylan's story. Let's play strip poker. I should have been shocked by the governor's crude comment, but I wasn't. We were flying from 
in October 2017 event in Western New York on his taxpayer-funded jet, he was seated uh, facing me, so close our knees almost touched. His press aide was to my right and a state trooper behind us. Andrew, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo has created a culture within his administration where sexual harassment and bullying is so pervasive that it is not only condoned but expected. His inappropriate behavior toward women was an affirmation that he liked you and that you must be doing something right. He was, you used intimidation to silence his critics and if you dared to speak up, you would face consequences. That's why I panicked on the morning of December 13 while enjoying a weekend with my husband and six-year-old daughter I spontaneously decided to share a small part of the truth that I hidden for so long in shame and never planned to disclose. The night before, a former Cuomo staffer confided to me that she too had been subject of governor of the governor's workplace harassment. Her story mirrored my own. Seeing his name floated as a potential candidate for the U.S. Uh, Attorney General, the highest law enforcement of the official in the land, set me off. Last week, Assemblymember Ron Kim spoke out publicly about the intimidation and abuse he had faced from Governor Cuomo and his aides. As Mayor uh, de Blasio remarked, the bullying is nothing new. There are many more of us, but we are too afraid to speak up. I'm compelled to tell my story because no woman should feel forced to hide their experience of workplace intimidation, harassment, humiliation, not by the governor or anyone else. I expect the governor and his top aides will attempt to further disparage me just as they've done with Assemblymember Kim. They'd lose their jobs if they didn't protect him. That's how his administration works. I know because I was a part of it. My first encounter with Governor Cuomo came in January 6, 2016 event at Madison Square Garden to promote the new Pennsylvania State Station Farley Complex project. After his speech, he stopped to talk to me. I was on a new job and surprised by how much attention he paid to me. My boss soon informed me that the governor had a crush on me. It was uncomfortable, but all too familiar feeling. The struggle to be taken uh, seriously by powerful men <clears throat> who tied my worth to my body and my appearance. Apparently, she must have been pretty. She was. She's pretty. I saw a picture. I'm going to scroll down a little bit. The governor must have sensed uh, my fear because he finally let me out of the office. So, so the story goes out about how Governor Cuomo in, uh, invited Lindsey Boylan to his office at, at a certain event and uh, nothing happened. The governor let her go because he sensed that she was afraid. The governor must have sensed my fear because he finally let me out of the office. I tried to rationalize this incident in my head. At least he didn't touch me. And that made me feel better. His inappropriate gestures became more frequent. He gave... Roses to female staffers on Valentine's Day and arranged to have a and arranged to have one delivered to me, the only one on my floor. A signed photograph of the governor appeared in my closed door office while I was out. These were not so subtle reminders of him, the governor, exploiting the power dynamic within women around him. The governor's pervasive harassment extended beyond me. He made unflattering comments about the weight of female colleagues. He ridiculed them about their romantic relationships and significant others. He said that the reason that men get women were money and power. I tried to excuse his behavior. I told myself it's only words. But that changed after a one-on-one -on -one briefing with the governor to update him on the economic and infrastructure projects. We were in his New York City office on 3rd Avenue. As I got up to leave and walked toward an open door, he stepped in front of me and kissed me on the lips. I was in shock, but I kept walking.
And on September 26, 2018, I sent a mass email informing staff members of my resignation. All right, so the uh, story is a lot longer. Um, I'll, I'll give you guys the links. I'll, I'll put it up so you guys can read it because I, I do want you to read these stories for yourselves, right? I want you to read the full story because the position that I'm going to take, uh, you just have to read the story to understand. Now, these stories broke out, right? You have Lindsay Boylan's story saying, you know, let's play strip poker. He, you know, you made all these uh, gestures and comments, sent roses. And, um, you know, at one point he even physically kissed her. Then you have uh, Charlotte Burnett's story. She's a much younger, I think she's like 25. And uh, he also made very sexual, suggestive comments. Have you been with older men? You know, things like that. Are you in a monogamous relationship? You know, very inappropriate questions that that you would that you shouldn't ask. But uh, he did. Now, look, Cuomo's response, right? So Cuomo gave a response. Uh, I think it was Sunday. He gave us like Sunday night. So look, listen to the response. Okay, listen to the response. Questions have been raised about some of my past interactions with people in the office. I never intended to offend anyone or cause any harm. I spent most of my life at work and colleagues are often also personal friends. At work, sometimes I think I am being playful and make jokes that I think are funny. I do on occasion tease people in what I think uh, and what I think is a good-natured way. I do it in public and in private. You have seen me do it at briefings hundreds of times. I have teased people about their personal lives, their, re their relationships, and about getting married or not, uh, about getting married or not getting married. I mean, no offense and only attempt to add some levity and banter to what is a very serious business. I now understand that my interactions may have been insensitive or too personal, and that some of my comments, given my position, made others feel in ways I never intended. I acknowledge some of these things I have said have been misinterpreted as an unwanted flirtation. To the extent anyone felt that way, I am truly sorry about that. To be clear, I never inappropriately touched anybody, and I never propositioned anybody, and I never intended to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but these are allegations that New Yorkers deserve answers to. That's why I have asked for an outside independent review that, to look at these allegations. Separately, my office has heard anecdotally uh, that some people have reached out to Miss Bennett and to express displeasure about her coming forward. My message to anyone doing this is that you have misjudged, uh, is that you have misjudged what matters to me and my administration, and you should stop now, period. Statement from Governor Andrew Cuomo. Okay. All right, so I hope you're following, right? Two women accused, sexual harassment, verbal, physical. And um, Andrew Cuomo's response is, well, you know, I'm just playing, you know, I was playing around, just being ban banter, right? I'm just uh, joking, and this is how I do things. This is how I say, I tease people about their personal lives, their relationships sometimes. I'm just having fun, and uh, look, if you took it the wrong way, I'm sorry, I wasn't flirting, I wasn't, you know, that's, that's kind of what he's saying. Okay, so look, now look, first of all, first of all, I, I actually believe, I actually believe, I would say like 95% of, of these women's stories, right? And I believe it because a couple of things, but one is because their accounts, it seems way too detailed, right? Way too detailed. If you read the stories, they talk about the exact place that they were in, and, you know, what they saw and how everything went down. And it just seems very realistic, okay? Seems very realistic. I'm not, and look, I'm not, number two, I'm not surprised 
I'm not surprised that Andrew Cuomo goes after younger women. Okay, I'm not I'm not surprised. Look, um, I'm not hundred percent sure that I'm not hundred percent sold that Cuomo, you know, randomly just kissed uh, Lindsey Boylan, right? Like he was. They were in the uh, uh, Lindsay Boylan went to his man office and as she was leaving the office and before she got to the elevator, he just went up, randomly kissed her on the lips. Uh, uh, that one is I'm well, I don't know if there's you know, I don't know how they're going to, you know, there's no one around. Right? I don't know how they're going to prove that, disprove that. I don't know. But besides that, I pretty much believe the rest. All right. Look, Cuomo, he doesn't explicitly deny the harassment. Right? Oh, he doesn't call it harassment. He calls it banter. He calls it playful, teasing, you know, making fun of, just, uh, you know, that. That's what he calls it. He only denies the actual physical part, the kissing. Right? He also denies that he tried to proposition, uh, you know, like having sex with him. But now look. Look, guys, whether you're a Cuomo fan or not, okay, uh, this is, this is, this is the honest truth here, guys. Look, let's be very honest. Men, men sometimes can be very disgusting, all right? They can be absolutely very disgusting. Now, Cuomo is a man. He's not above the human nature of men. He is a man, right? He's a man in his 60s. He's not married. He got out of, uh, he got out of his long-term relationship in 2019, and uh, he's in a position of power. Look, what happened with Cuomo is that his little head, right, was taken over when he was saying these things to women. Look, he probably did. He probably did want to smash Lindsay and uh, uh, Charlotte. He absolutely, he, he most definitely did, right? He wanted, he definitely did want to have sex with them, right? He wanted that WAP. Now, look, I'm not going to crucify I'm not going to crucify the guy because uh, he made some flirty and sexual remarks. Listen to what I'm saying before you throw the pitchforks, right? I'm not going to crucify the guy because he made some flirty on the sole basis of some flirty sexual remarks. Like, that's human nature. That happens all the time. Right, guys, if you work in offices, right? I've worked in the office setting for six years. It happens all the time. Okay. Uh, not just within offices, outside of offices, between man and woman, it happens all the time. Making, you know, uh, suggestively sexual remarks, being flirty, saying stupid shit. You know, guys do it, unfortunately, all the time. It is what it is. Man wants to fuck a woman. They'll do and they'll say and they'll be irrational. And, uh, you know, all logic sometimes just go off, right? It's Part of human nature. Now, listen. Now, here is where, here is where the governor fucked up. Okay, here is where the governor fucked. Up. This is important. Look, you are the governor of New York. Okay, you're the governor of New York. You're in a massive position of power. All right, the governor of New York is not the same as the governor of Idaho. It's not the same as the governor of Arkansas or Kansas, right? Not, nothing against those states, but let's be very honest, folks. If you're the governor of New York, right, within governors, I'm sure there's a hierarchy, right? New York is probably, if you're the New York governor, you're probably the top dog. 
you're in a massive position of power. Okay, uh, you are. That's just that's that's being a governor of New York is no joke, right? That's in in the United States. If you're a governor of like California, New York, these big states, you know, you're there is scrutiny and there is responsibility and power that comes with it. So with this position of power, right? With this position of power, you approach women, right? You go to uh, certain women you hire, right? You give the okay. Sometimes you directly hire certain women because they're attractive and whatnot, and you make certain sexual suggestive comments, advances. No, uh, no, 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 right? That's where you fucked up. That's where Andrew Cuomo fucked up, right? Because essentially what you're doing is you're using your power. You're using your position, Right? Of I'm this I'm the big guy I'm the top dog within New York, right? In terms of government, I'm the top guy, and and uh, the truth is, him wielding that sort of influence and that sort of power when he approached women and when he, you know, did whatever with women. Look, the very truth is the, the very honest truth is there were probably there were probably many women there were probably a lot of women that he did this to, and out of let's say ten women he did this to a good number of them probably fucked Andrew Cuomo. Let's be honest here, folks, right? I mean, if you're if you're a young woman and you join the New York uh, government, right? And you're, you're, part of, you're part of the government and you want to go up in your career and Andrew Cuomo makes this proposition to you and you know if you fuck the guy and you do some shit with him and you entertain him for a little bit, you can sort of move up, right? Uh, you know, news reporters, right? News, you want to get some more juicier stories. This is a very... This is a very common thing, right? You sleep with politicians and they give you some stories, right? Now, look, uh, if that if that's what if that's what some women did, fine. I have nothing against that. I have nothing against women to do that. Really, I have I have nothing against women to do that. Now, look, the problem, the problem is Andrew Cuomo, right? Being the ma- uh, being the governor of New York, you can't be using your power. You can't be using your position of authority to intimidate, to coerce, to, uh, 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 you know, attract women within your office. This is the problem, right? The, the exact problem is within your little kingdom that you have, right? Within New York politics, you can't be approaching women and trying to fuck them. You can't be doing that. Okay, now look, I don't care if Andrew Cuomo goes out to a bar and he flirts with women, whether they're 25, I don't give a shit whether they're 55, I don't care. That, that's that's none of my business. Right? And he said creepy things to them. He said, you know, have you have you do you like do you like fucking older guys? Like, I don't care if Andrew Cuomo does that. Right? That's his business. Now, it becomes a problem, a, a, a huge problem, if you are uh bringing those tendencies in your office and you're doing it to women who are uh, you know, within your office, right? Look, there's no one above you. You're the top guy in New York. You're the top guy in New York and you approach women and it's a power dynamic, right? Women, some of these women, a lot of these women, they probably did say yes. They probably fucked him, right? There's probably all these, there's probably a, a tons of buried stories, right? Now, look, that doesn't, that doesn't give the green light to Cuomo. That doesn't mean that he's yes, Andrew Cuomo, absolutely, you know, uh, because other women did it, that means you can keep, you know, your your behavior is being enabled. No, 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 absolutely not. 
that's where the, that's where he fucked up, right? The part where he fucked look, I'm not I don't care if he said sexual things to women. I don't care if he was playful and he tried to, you know, uh, he tried to sleep with different women. I don't care, right? But if you do that within your office, where you are the king, and you do that to women who are basically working for you, that's the problem. That's just not being smart, right? That's just that's just your little head talking instead of your big head, right? That's your big head shutting off and your little head taking over. Okay, Andrew Cuomo, you're 60 years old, my man. You're the governor of New York. You've been doing this for, you know, over 10 years. You've been governor of New York, I mean, you uh, for over 10 years. You have a history, right? Your father was a governor of New York, right? Can't you think with your big head just for a second? Look, I know the women are attractive. I know... You know, uh, you know, you you're in your office and you see young, pretty uh, female colleagues, and uh, I, I look, I get you, but look, my guy, you're still the governor of New York. Okay, if you really wanted, if you really wanted to smash, if you really wanted to do something, if you needed to get some steam off, okay, go find, go on online dating sites, go go outside and meet people. All right, outside your kingdom. The fact that you had to, I don't want to say pray, but it kind of is, right? The fact that you had to lure and try to get women that work under you and use and, and show off like, oh, I'm the governor of New York and this is my office and I got a box of cigars from the Clintons back in when I used to work for the Clinton administration. The fact that you got to do that to me, it just sounds, it just looks so, it just looks so childish, right? Right? I mean, and, and look, I get, and I, and I, and I said this before. I'm not going to crucify the guy because of him, uh, you know, making sexual remarks and all that. But it's where you're doing it is the problem. Okay? It's where you're doing it is the problem. Now, look, what's even more crazy to me of this story is uh, the fact that he's got top female aides, right? So there's Cuomo, and then there are his, like, uh, his secretary, chief of staff, blah, blah, blah. And, and there's a lot of, you know, high females within position of power within New York State government. And it seems like they, they all knew what was going on. They all knew Cuomo, you know, he likes women. And unfortunately, he approaches women within the office, right? And they covered for him, Melissa De Rosa, covering for Cuomo, right? Telling other women to, hey, look, look, don't say, you know, you know, trying to shut them up. Like, uh, to me, that's even more insane, right? The fact that he has certain high, high people, right, positions in power within New York State government covering for Andrew Cuomo is, to me, that's that, that's just, you know, that's just crazy. But look, I mean, look, that's politics. That's politics. And uh, look, what's the conclusion? Guys, there will be an independent investigation by uh, the New York Attorney General, Letitia James. And before we, before we throw any stones and before we, uh, you know, call people names, let's just see how the cards play out, right? Let's just let's just see where this investigation comes to. Um, hopefully, they do get to the bottom of it, and you know, hopefully that these women get justice for uh, if they were actual victims, that they will get justice. Which I do, I do believe. I do believe that um, these two women went through what they went through. Again, I'm not too sure about that kiss, but in terms of Cuomo saying sexual things, you know. That sort of stuff, I 
I'm pretty sure he did that and much worse and to way, way more many women for a long period of time, right? We're only hearing two, um, but we're not hearing about the other women who actually slept with Cuomo and moved up in the ladder and, you know, went to different, like, we don't know, right? Guys, look, the, you know, the unfortunate thing about this whole situation is we don't see any of the bigger uh, mayoral candidates, right? So New York City, we're going to have a new mayor next year, right? There's going to be a primary in June and an election in November. And I don't see any of them. I don't see any of them calling out Cuomo, right? I don't see any of them calling out Cuomo for the nursing home tobacco, which in my opinion is a bigger issue than these uh, sexual, these sex scandals um, or these harassments scandals. Uh, I don't see any of them. I don't see, you know, uh, Scott Stringer. I don't see uh, Andrew Yang calling out uh, the 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 governor of New York for this, right? And I get it. It takes big balls to call out on your future potential boss, right? You don't want to, you know, you don't want to be in the wrong line. So I get it, you know. But I I do wish I want to see that, right? Like if you're gonna if you're gonna be about that progressive life, right? Because all these mayors are super progressive and you know uh, believe in women and all these things, then um, you know you got to put you know, your money where your mouth is, right? You got to put that in action. And uh, the first the first big candidate to call out Andrew Cuomo and said, yes, there needs to be an investigation. These women need to be believed. These women need to be heard. You know, they're, uh, that's going to be fun, right? That's going to be fun to, fun to watch. Guys, if you haven't done so, um, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe, like, and comment. If you're also listening on Apple, uh, please drop a review. Give me the stars. All right, so moving on. Guys, let's talk about Minari, Minari real quick. There's not too much to talk about the film Minari, but let's just talk about it real quick. Now, I, I have I have spoken about Minari in maybe three, four episodes ago. And the premise is, guys, Minari is an American film. It's an American film, and it recently just won the global... I'm sorry, the Golden Globe for Best Motion Motion Picture, Foreign Language. Okay, foreign fucking language, right? We all knew this was an issue, um, but it is what it is, right? Like I've spoken about this before. Guys, if you haven't watched Minari, buy the ticket. Watch the film. All right, watch the film. Support. Look, the idea is, the idea is, it, look, it's not a Marvel movie, okay? It's not, it's not a $100 million budget film. But guys, I, I think uh, in to really be in solidarity with the greater Asian American community, um, you can spend 20 bucks and watch a film. Okay? You spend all that other money watching Marvel movies and all these other things on Netflix. Guys, watch the film, right? Um, in pure, I'm only saying it to support the cast, to support the independent, uh, the, the filmmakers, directors. Watch the film. Now, look, I, I, I have watched it. And, um, you know, no spoilers, but I have watched a film and uh, it's okay, right? Like, I, I wish I can be like, you know, it, was, it just made me tears, cry, it was... No, all right, no. Um, <laughs> it, it, no, it was okay, okay? I'll leave it at that. It was okay. Um, it's a little long, in my opinion. Again, I don't want to give spoilers. Watch it. You, you, you tell me how it is, okay? Look, if you haven't watched Minari and you want to watch it, reach out to me uh, and I'll buy some tickets. Why not? Uh, because it is still worth watching 
regardless of do I think it was okay or not. Now, look, on that note, right? If if because I feel the way I feel, I don't. If Manati was, if Manati wasn't, you know, was I'm sorry, it wasn't categorized as a foreign film, and and it was, uh, just a normal film. Should this film be nominated for best motion picture, right? Not foreign film, but just just general, you know, best motion picture. And like I like, I'm gonna have my reservations, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna pause because. I still believe in, in meritocracy. Okay, I, you gotta be. It's gotta be a good film, man. It's gotta be, you know, if you wanna, if you wanna, I don't know how, what the what the kind of marks are or how films are graded, but just personally, um, if Minari was nominated to be a best motion picture, I would even say I don't even think it should have been nominated, and I don't think it should have won, uh, even if it was. On, on let's just say not foreign film but on uh, as a regular award best motion picture I don't think it should have won but again guys that's just me maybe I'm just being a hater I don't know watch the film if you want to watch the film you haven't watched it reach out to me and I'll buy you a ticket alright guys look you know but watching the film watching the film it has brought a lot of uh, old sentiment right some well, not old sentiment, but I guess it really made me reflect, right? Because when you watch the film, like you guys know the premise, it's about the the a Korean a Korean family, immigrant family, and they go out to Arkansas. Well, they're originally from California, and they go out to Arkansas to try to you know create this American dream. And um, watching the dynamics of the relationships between the chil- the the children, the parents, and their communities, and just watching that. You know, it, it made me think, right? It made me think, really, what does it mean to be Asian American? Guys, what does it mean to be Asian American, right? Because that film is all about being an American, but also you are Asian. And uh, I really had to, I really had a. It brought it brought me to a point where I try to come, you know, I try to think, what does it mean, right? What does it mean to be Asian American? Because the term Asian American itself, it's kind of weird, right? Because we're not everyone who's Asian. We have so many different ethnicities, and there's so many differences. It's like this: this is there even such thing as Asian American culture? Is that even a thing? And I and I, I was thinking about all these things. And the thoughts that really came to mind is just really myself, right? I can only speak about me and what I went through and, uh, you know, understanding that I am an Asian American and what what does that mean to me personally and what do I see w- with other Asian Americans in my life, right? And, and how, and I compare and I see and, and, you know, is this the American dream? Is this the American path? So guys, quick rundown. You know, I dropped out of college in 2009, right after my father had a heart attack. And um, he wasn't able to support uh, both him and him and me right, financially. So I had to drop out of school and I had to work. I had to make sure that there's food on the table, roof over our heads. This is when I was 19 years old. Right. And. You know, fast forward in 2013. uh, You know, I, I, I joined a bank. Right. And, and it's, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a college degree. I don't have much experience of banking, nothing. And look, basically, my only shot to in my eyes 
and, and the way I saw it and the way I felt was my only shot to live the typical Asian American life, right? The American dream that all of our parents wanted as children of immigrants, it was shattered, right? It was absolutely destroyed, shattered when the bank had let me go. Now you have to understand, I have no degree to fall back on, right? I mean, and, and also there is this stain on my banking licenses, right? And, and just, you know, to put it plainly, I was completely fucked. You know, no, look, not even not even uh, non-financial institutions, they didn't give me a chance. Right? They didn't give me a chance. They didn't because I had no there's no degree behind it. Right. So it's you're this you're this awkward person who has no degree, but you have all this banking experience and all this sales experience. Well, where are we going to use you? You know, we can't use you in like a starter position because you have all that experience, but we can't put you in a more, you know, middle senior position because you have no uh, degree and degree to a lot of American companies. It still holds a lot of weight. So I'm being dicked around, right? I'm being dicked around throughout my time when I was unemployed, can't get a job. And uh, that's when I realized, that's when I really realized, right? That the life that my father and my mother, that what they had envisioned uh, me having, um, I realized it, it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen. Right, I'm not going to become a doctor. I'm not going to become uh, someone that that has a nice, cushiony, high-paying job, right? When the bank let me go, that was it for me. Couldn't get work anywhere in any company, right? If I showed you the amount of places I, you know, I have a list of all the places I've applied to, how many times I've worked on my resume, and all these these things, and how many times I've talked to different people about. You know, it would be absolutely crazy. And, and, I, and I'm thinking, it just, to me, it made no sense. I try to rationalize why I'm not getting calls back, and it made no sense. But, you know, look, the point is, the point is, as I was reflecting and thinking about this, I thought about, I thought about the reality, right, that uh, many of us in the Asian American community that are children of immigrants, right? So my, people of my generation, people that are children of immigrants, I'm thinking about that, you know, many of us, they're not your typical college-educated, cushy, salary, nine-to-five Asians. You know, they're not, not everybody has, unfortunately, finished school found a you know job and is just going in that trajectory right having a 401k having a savings and then getting married and getting a house and and look that's what I wanted right that's that's what's what I personally wanted I wanted to live a normal fucking life all right I don't want to make too much money I don't want to make no money you know but I didn't get that and and I see people around me right I see people that I grew up with and uh, people that go to church and I see that and I see them, they're all somewhat more or less having that. And um, over the past year or so, I think I've come to a point where I've also seen a lot of people that are not that. They're not college educated like me. Okay, but they're hardworking and they're hardworking gig workers, right? Or they're self-employed workers or they're artists or whatever it is. And whether, whether you chose that path or was forced upon you, um, I want I want to let those Asian Americans know, 
Right? I want to let those Asian Americans know that you're not alone. Right? Listen, shout outs to shout outs to all the single moms out there, right? The single dads, the individuals that are taking care of their parents financially, physically, you know, emotionally. There are a lot of them. There are a lot of these Asian Americans. And I and I and I, I'm gonna call them the the atypical East Asian American, right? The atypical East Asian American, man, some of you guys, you've been dealt an impossible, an impossible hand or a really hard, a really hard fucking hand. And I know, and I know what that's like, right? Just failure after failure after, you know, more and more hurdles in life, like, like nothing, there's no break that's ever given to you. And you keep going. And these Asian Americans, they keep going. I want to just preface East Asian, right? We're talking about the Chinese Americans, the Korean Americans, Japanese Americans, right? You guys, you guys have friends that are that that are in a certain path, and you're not in that path, just like me, not really in that path. Look, guys, I wanna wanna leave you with this. You know, the children of Asian immigrants. Okay, the children of Asian immigrants in America, we're diverse, right? We may some of us are executives business owners, artists, musicians, bankers, lawyers, doctors, designers, entertainers, restaurant workers, and much more, right? The children of Asian immigrants in America are, some of us are progressives, we're liberals, Democrats, independents, classical liberals, Republicans, uh, libertarians, conservatives. We all look different, right? Some of us light-skinned, dark-skinned, short, tall, heavy, slim, good-looking, some not so good-looking. Children of Asian immigrants, you know, we're, we're all different ethnicities, man. Some of us are Chinese, we're Taiwanese, we're Korean, Japanese, Vietnamese, Filipino, Thai, Malay, Cambodian, Mongolian, Hmong, Indonesian, Indian, Bangladeshi, Pakistani, Sri Lankan, and, and so much more, right? Guys, we are not, point is, we're not a monolith. What, is, what does it mean to be Asian American? What does it mean uh, when, you, when your parents come from a different country and they try to make a life here and and you are being labeled as an Asian and you grew up here and you're a citizen. So now you are part of the greater American society. You are now an Asian American. What does that mean? Right? What does that mean? What are, you know, what is the path that lies ahead of us as a collective group, right? Even though we are so different and it's hard to say that there's even a certain Asian American culture because we're just so different, uh, we still need to come together and we still have to build our own path. I don't think that that path is really there right now. I don't think that we have a set structure within the United States where Asian Americans are being recognized in a certain way because even to this day, we are still being pulled either, you know, you're white adjacent or you're or you know, you're just super progressive and all you care about is black people, right? You're either you're either, in other words, you're either white or you're black, and I'm here to tell you guys, we have our own identity. And it's not about being, it's not about being, you know, white adjacent. It's not about being uh, a super activist and being about people of color. And, and it's not even about that. What I'm talking about is that Asian Americans, we have our own identity. And as we, as, as you know, as our voices are being more and more heard and as Asian Americans, the challenges as within people within our community are being enlightened, are being now challenged to really think, what does it mean to be Asian American? What does it mean 
to to have our own space within America, right? To me, that's not that's not very it's not very figured out yet. It's not very figured out yet, right? You're either you're, you're either POC or you're white adjacent. We're being pulled left and right, guys. We are Asian American. We have our own path, and we have to build our own path. And to do that, we raise resources. You raise your voices. You raise resources. You gather. You make sure uh, that you you know you don't take shit, right, for being Asian American. And as we do that, and as we build coalitions, and as we build coalitions within the different minorities, and as we make sure that our voices are heard and that we are seen, right, and 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 the the issues that we face within our community are being taken care of, and we have representation in media in government, uh, in Hollywood, wherever it may be, slowly, I think, in my opinion, slowly, the idea of being Asian American, the idea that we are a people, that there is a certain identity and that we can be proud of, I think that that path will eventually be made. It's not done yet, but hopefully in my lifetime, it will. Guys, Thanks, thank you, right? Thank you for listening to the Millennial Boomer Podcast. Uh, if you haven't done so, please subscribe to the Millennial Boomer Podcast on Spotify and Apple. And uh, you know, if you haven't done so as well, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, go ahead and hit the like, hit the subscribe, comment, tell me that I'm crazy, tell me that I'm such a boomer, whatever it is. I appreciate everything, guys. Thank you. Catch you next time.